Welcome to Kainos Church Podcast. Kainos is a church for all people, from all places, for one purpose. If you'd like to learn more about Kainos as a new church plan or as a radical new way of life, visit kainos.church. And to support this ministry and further the mission, visit kainos.church slash support. Today we're going to continue our series, Father, by You, uh, and that is also, as I told you a couple weeks ago, the name of the EP that Hannah and Young are releasing in two weeks, or actually this week, rather, six days, uh, and next Saturday we're going to have in this room an EP release party for them. Uh, people from, uh, from all over are going to come, and the purpose of that is, one, to support them, yes, and they have been so kind and so generous and willing to support our community partner. Uh, Upper 90. Upper 90 is a soccer ministry that Coach Judy uh, helps lead in our area, and they're doing incredible work in multiple communities with with hundreds of kids. And so this uh, night that we're going to do everything that all the proceeds are going to go to Upper 90 to benefit some stuff they have going. They're building some soccer fields and some other things. And so this is a great time for us to come out, support what God is doing through Hannah and Young, but also to support Upper 90. And so it's 6:30 in this room. It'll last about an hour. Uh, there'll be some refreshments and that kind of thing. And there's no one's going to bait and switch you. So you don't have to give money. It doesn't cost anything to come. Uh, your presence is most important because it helps just show some support and encourage them. However, uh, all the money that does come in is not only going to go to Upper 90, but it's also going to be matched by a generous donor. Uh, there's a donor from Upper 90 who's agreed to match, I think, something like up to $100,000 of what they raise between now and the end of the year. And so if you give $5, you're going to get a copy of the CD but you're really going to give 10 and that's kind of how it's going to work. So make plans to be here if you can, because it'll be really, really awesome. Uh, and it's a great way uh, for us to support what God's doing in our community and in our church. So Father by you, the goal of our series, right, is to remind us maybe, and maybe for the first time in our lives, teach us uh, what it is, uh, what our most fundamental position in the world is. Because you and I live in a world where titles seem to rule our life. Pastor, teacher, mom, dad, husband, wife, accountant, doctor, whatever you do for a living tends to be the primary narrative that you live out of. And so the point of this series is to remind us or reorient us a little bit to our most fundamental position, our primary identity, and that is we are children of the Most High God. And I know that's a simple truth. It's something you know, I know, we hear it, we say it. And yet, like so many other things in life, there is a disconnect between what we believe and how we live. And the point of these six uh, weeks, really, is to have us take a look at that unique relationship. And, I mean, really answer the question, what does it mean to be fathered by God? What does it mean to call God Father? And then maybe what are some implications of having him as Father? Is he just like a bigger version of our earthly dad? Is he... um, is he just kind of this, this thing that's out there, an impersonal being or impersonal force that maybe we know created us, but he's given us, you know, hundreds of pages of rules? Like, what is the point of this? And how do we learn to live with God as our father? So the first week we talked about the fact that we have a faithful father, that he's so good to us, right? Um, last week we talked about that our faithful father has sent his son to redeem us, that God didn't just create the world and just leave the world up to chance. 
But God created the world. He looked at you. He looked at me. He looked at human beings. He looked at people and said, they are very good. I've created them in our image. And he does that, and, and he takes a step back, but man falls into sin, and so God sends his son to redeem us. That's what we talked about last week. This week, we're going to discover that our faithful father who sent his son to redeem us has left us with his spirit to restore us. So if you have a Bible, you can turn with me to John 14. This week will be a little different because we're going to jump around a little bit, uh, but we're going to pick up where we left off. John 14, verse 16 is where we'll start. John 14, verse 16 is where we'll start. And I want to speak to us this morning from the subject, help is on the way. Help is on the way. John 14, beginning in 16, says this, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Actually, let me back. Let me give you some context. I'm going to jump to 12. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. And whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. And if you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, Jesus says, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Verse 17, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans, he says, but I will come to you. This is God's word. Let's, let's take a look and see what it says. Help is on the way. God, we thank you so much that you've given us your spirit, that you've not only saved us from sin, Lord God, but you, you, you are with us, that your spirit dwells in us. And I pray, God, this morning that in our little bit of time together, you might help us to see maybe in a fresh way, maybe in a new way. Maybe, God, you just remind us again and again this morning that you are with us no matter what. Thank you, Lord God, for your word. Bless our time now in Christ's name. Amen. So I don't know if you've seen war movies or movies where there's a natural disaster, but usually there's always this kind of scene in these crazy chaotic movies where uh, somebody gets trapped. I'll give you an example. Uh, my son and I were watching the new Paw Patrol movie on Friday. So we watched the Paw Patrol movie, and at the very end of the movie, there's this scene where uh, Chase, who's fearful, he jumps across uh, this huge, I don't know, he jumps between buildings, right? And he lands in the other building. He finds Ryder. Ryder's the boy who kind of runs Paw Patrol. And Ryder is trapped underneath uh, a bunch of rubble. And the question is, how is this little puppy going to do anything, right? And you've seen this type of scene in countless movies, war movies or movies about uh, uh, tornadoes or natural disasters that come through and they destroy a bunch of stuff and someone gets trapped into the rubble. And usually somebody is there and they can't help the person physically. They don't have enough strength. And so they'll do something like, hey, I'm going to be right back. Don't worry. Help's on the way. Or, hey, I'm going to go run and get help. And what happens is the person who's trapped usually starts to freak out a little bit. Because, because right now I have the presence of somebody, right? And, and you're going to leave me now and you're going to go get help or send help. But what, what do I do between the time you leave and when help arrives? And what happens if help doesn't show up? Am I just left to die? Am I stranded? What happens if, um, if you don't come through? Have you ever felt like that? Have you ever felt helpless? Have you ever found yourself wondering and worrying about what happens if help doesn't arrive? Maybe you've been broke. 
Maybe you've been unemployed. Maybe you've been sick and you don't know when you're going to get better. Maybe you've been in a place where you've been so filled with anxiety and worry and hopelessness that your circumstances have, have crippled you with fear. And there's a part of you that's wondering, well, when will help come? And what if help doesn't arrive? You see, this is the same place that we find Jesus' disciples here in this text as he's addressing them. John 14.1 tells us that Jesus opens up this chapter by saying, don't let your hearts be troubled and don't be afraid. In my father's house, there's many rooms, right? If it weren't so, I would have told you, but I'm going to go there, Jesus says, and I'm going to prepare a place for you so that I can bring you where I am. And in that moment, what we find is that the disciples are very, very troubled. John 16 tells us that their hearts had become burdened with sorrow. In some sense, the overarching consensus among the disciples is Jesus, but if you leave us, what will happen? Jesus, what will we do now? See, they have become so dependent on his physical, literal presence. They had been walking with him for three years. They ate with him. They, they hung out with him. They did everything with him. The, 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 the New Testament idea of discipleship is so much different than the way we do it now, isn't it? Their whole lives were spent together. It wasn't a one-hour thing that they just showed up to and then left. It was how they, they ingrained themselves in each other's lives. And so now, all of a sudden, the leader, the teacher, Jesus, is leaving. What happens, Jesus, when you're gone? And Jesus says, I'm going to go to the Father. And when I do, I'll ask the Father, and He will give you another helper to be with you, the Spirit of truth. And what I want to do with our text and our time that's left is I want to look at four statements that Jesus makes and then four promises he gives about what does it mean that we have the Holy Spirit? What does it mean that he's going to send the Spirit of truth? What does it mean that we have the Holy Spirit? Four statements Jesus makes. We're going to jump around a little bit. And four promises he gives. Let's look at the four statements. You can find the first one in John 14, verse 16. Jesus says, I'll ask the Father, and he'll give you another helper, and here's the statement, to be with you forever. Jesus says that the Spirit will be with us forever. He says, I'll ask the Father, he'll give you another helper who's the Spirit of truth. And the word helper here in the original language is a legal term. It's used to describe an advocate for defense. It's your public defender. He says, I'm going to send you your defense attorney. But more than that, this term was also used to just describe uh, one that we could call upon for help in general. So hence, our translation probably says helper. If you have the NIV, it says your advocate. What Jesus is saying in so many words is that I have been your helper, and I'm not going to stop. After I go to the Father, the Father will give you his spirit who will continue the work. And in doing so, what Jesus is doing is he's emphasizing not only the role of the spirit in our life, but also the personality of the spirit. The Holy Spirit is God. He is not less than the Father. He's not less than the Son. He is equal to them, and He is in unity with them eternally, yes, but also presently in our life. See, Jesus is not promising a substitute helper. Now, you know how when you're in school, you, you uh, I know we have teachers in here too, so this may not work out for you, but um, when you're in school, you always love when you had a substitute teacher, right? I mean, you know, when the, when the cat's away, the mice will play, and so uh, your teacher's not there, and usually what that means is that you get to watch some kind of movie. And it's great, right? Because the substitute teacher, um, 
doesn't really know what's going on. You can kind of get over on them. You can break some rules. Uh, and you kind of get to watch this movie. And, and because their role is really just to hold it down until the teacher gets back. But that's not what's happening here. The spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit, he's not a substitute teacher. He's not, he's not a, a, I'm going to hold it down until the real teacher gets back. The spirit of truth is God. And he will be with you forever, Jesus says. He will dwell with you. He will dwell in you. You can't lose him. You can't misplace him. You can't accidentally leave him in your locker. If you're a follower of Jesus, Jesus says, I'm going to send the spirit of truth who will be with you forever. He keeps going. He says he will send us the spirit of truth who will be forever. And he says that the spirit then, verse 26, will teach us and remind us of Jesus's words. Jesus says the Holy Spirit will teach us and remind us. In context, what's happening is that this promise is first to the disciples. It applies to them personally as they navigate life without him physically present. It applies to them as they evangelize and share their faith. It applies to them as they get called in front of leaders. You remember Paul, he finds himself in these crazy predicaments where he's always in front of some uh, religious person or some uh, uh, ruler, right? Or Peter finds himself, John, uh, these, they find themselves in jail or, or being accused of something. And, and this promise means that, that when they find themselves in those crazy situations, the Spirit will be with them. But it also applies to them as they write the Scriptures, doesn't it? That, that the Holy Spirit illuminates their mind and helps them to understand and divinely inspires and guides their writing. So that thousands of years later, what you and I have is a perfect, complete Word of God. The Holy Spirit applies to them, but He also applies to us. The promise is also for us because the Spirit teaches us all things. He helps us understand Scripture. He helps us discern. The Spirit brings Scripture to mind to comfort us, to encourage us, and to give us wisdom. The Spirit strengthens us and helps us resist temptation. He also helps us to testify to the work of God in our life. And this should really give us confidence, not only as we face today, but as we face any day, that no matter what the day brings, that we are able to share our faith boldly, knowing that the Lord will give us words at the right time. Often, we don't share our faith because we're afraid of getting some objection or some question that we can't answer. Often, we avoid leaning in with people because we don't know what will happen when we do that. What if they're smarter than us? What if they ask us a question about evil and how it exists, or they, they pick some Bible trivia, something we don't really know? And those things will, will stop us. But here we find encouragement in God's Word not to let those things make us afraid. Here we find encouragement in God's Word not to be afraid of the circumstances that await us tomorrow. Because it doesn't matter what's coming, because we know who's with us. So Jesus says, I'm going to send the Spirit He'll be with you forever. Verse 26, he'll teach you and remind you of my words. Flipping to 15, chapter 15, verse 26, Jesus says, he will bear witness to me. Jesus says, but when the helper comes, chapter 15, 26, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. And you will bear witness about me because you have been with me from the beginning. Jesus says one of the roles of the Holy Spirit is to bear witness, is to testify. 
about him. Dr. Tony Evans says that the Spirit has a Christ-centered ministry, that he doesn't merely draw attention to himself, but he draws attention to Jesus. See, what the Spirit does is not only is he with us forever, and not only does he remind us of what Jesus has taught, and not only does he help us to understand his word, but he also helps us to bear witness about Christ because he himself bears witness to Christ. He illuminates the hearts and minds of people to see Jesus and to know him. He bears witness. He leads us to live a life, it says in verse 27, of also bearing witness. Because he says, when the helper comes, whom I will send from the Father, the Spirit of truth, he proceeds from the Father, he's going to bear witness about me. Verse 27, and you also will bear witness. You see, the Bible does not know a Christian that does not testify about the goodness of God. The Bible doesn't know a Christian who is silent about their faith. And this is not to shame you. This is not legalism. This is not a way to burden you or to guilt you. That's not what I'm saying. But it is to look at the word and see what it is we've been called to. I'm not saying it's not scary. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying there aren't things we have to navigate in the workplace or any of that. All that's true. And yet the calling we have remains. You remember that, that Jesus says, or Paul tells us, that we are a new creation in Christ. We're a kinos man. And that new creation has been brought into a new community, this kainos community. And with that community comes a new calling. And that calling is to bear witness about Christ. So the Spirit is with us forever. He reminds us and teaches us about Jesus. He bears witness to Jesus and leads us to live a life doing that. And then finally, in chapter 16, verse 8, we find that the Spirit does something else. He will convict the world of sin, convict the world of righteousness and judgment. It says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth, that your advantage is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. He continues, I, has, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. But when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. The role of the spirit is to convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. To say conviction means to convince, it's to help convince people of truth. It's to help us understand that we are image bearers, created in God's image to bear his image, and therefore we are all born with dignity and worth. No matter where you're from or what you look like or what you have or don't have, you are created in his image to bear his image. But you're also broken because we're all born in sin. See, the Holy Spirit helps us to see that we are created in God's image. It helps us see us for who we are. But it also helps us to see that, that, that we are born in sin, and therefore we stand judged unless we repent. See, the Spirit is helping us to see us in our true state, image bearers, who are broken, yes, but we've also been given away, haven't we? We've talked about that the last two weeks. God sends His Son to die for us. And in doing that, we see our need for forgiveness and Jesus, through the Spirit, or the Spirit through Jesus, shows us what righteousness looks like. He warns us 
Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. So what do we do with this? So, so here's what we've got. Think about where we've been. So God the Father loves you. He created you. He sends his son to die for you. Then he leaves his spirit with you. What does the spirit do? Well, one, he's with us forever. It ain't temporary. He's not a substitute. He's God Almighty. Secondly, he reminds us of what Jesus has taught us, and he reminds us of his word. Thirdly, he bears witness to Christ as risen Lord, and he helps us to do the same thing. And finally, he convinces us, he reminds us of truth and of sin and righteousness and judgment. But what do we do with that? How does that help us to see what it means to be fathered by God? A couple of promises here that Jesus gives us, I think, that helps us wrap our heads around that. We talked about this two weeks ago, but um, the first promise we have is that Jesus promises his presence. God makes his dwelling among us, and now we see how he actually does that. First, he gives us his son to die for our sin. The Bible teaches, right, you and I are born in sin and we need to be rescued from it. But God, being rich in mercy, has provided a way. But it's not just that Jesus lives this perfect life and then dies, but three days later, God raises him from the dead so that all who believe will have life. That's the gospel. That's our hope. But because of this gospel, right, the story does not end there. Jesus does not die for us and then leave us to figure it out. He is Emmanuel. He is God with us. He is with me. He is with you. Always, he says. How? Because he gives us his spirit. Jesus says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you, and the Father will give you another helper, God the Holy Spirit, who is with you forever. Listen, don't, don't miss this. See, many of us in this room, we know that, but we don't live like this is true. We live like Jesus rescued us from hell, and then he left us to figure it out. We live like all he did was wipe the slate clean for us and then tell us to keep it clean on our own, by our own strength, by our own righteousness, and by our own way. But we have a helper. See, Jesus is reminding us we have this helper who is with us, living inside of us, and many of us are tempted to live like we are still orphans. That we have been abandoned by our Father, but we buy these lies of the enemy, right? Who wants to convince us that we're alone, but we're not alone. We have God Almighty living inside of us, His Spirit dwelling with us. We have His presence. Paul tells us there's neither height nor depth that can separate us from God's love, and there is neither height nor depth that can separate us from His presence. This is good news for us. This is the best news we have. That God has made a way and he's not left us alone, but that he's with us wherever we go. Jesus promises that we have his presence. Secondly, he promises his peace. John 14, 27, Jesus says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I don't give to you like the world does. I'm not phony, I'm not fake, I'm not inconsistent. I don't give you counterfeit peace, which is fleeting and is driven by your circumstances and your emotions. I don't do that. I give you my peace, my comfort, my joy, and my strength. Notice that Jesus doesn't promise an empty road, or excuse me, an easy road. He doesn't promise comfort uh, and this great life with all a bunch of uh, joy and where their hearts are always just enthralled and excited. He doesn't promise them security and predictability and a life with no stress. That's what the world teaches peace is. But that's not what the Bible says, and that's not what Jesus teaches. Peace in the Bible is not the absence of pain, but it's the presence of a person. 
Peace in the Bible is not the absence of difficulty and confusion and frustration. It's the presence of a person in the midst of your pain and your confusion and your stress. Peace in the Bible is based on a person. His name is Jesus, and he's given us his spirit. The Holy Spirit, the helper, the spirit of truth will guide you. He will sustain you. He will hold you up. He will carry you when you can't walk. He will give you peace. Jesus says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't be afraid. My peace I give to you and I leave with you and it will carry you. Not just for now, but forever. So he promises his presence. He promises his peace. And then he promises his perspective. Notice that the role of the Holy Spirit, right, is to help us see Jesus. It's to help us see our sin. It's to help us see what righteousness looks like. Garrett talked about this last week, right? If you want to see what the Father looks like, look at Jesus. And if you want to know what it's like to have the Father, look at Jesus. And if you want to know what it's like to live uh, in, in a life that's worthy of the calling you've been given, look at Jesus. He shows us what righteousness looks like. But the Spirit also helps us learn to live like that. It's not just that we've been given the standard and then left to figure it out. It's the Spirit helps us learn to live like people who are children of God. He promises perspective to help us remember Jesus' words to us. So that when you find yourself in that moment and you don't know what to say to the person, you, you can call upon him and he will bring to your mind something to say. It may not be perfect, may not be what you thought it would be, but it's, it's taking the step of relying on the Spirit of God to give you words. Father, I'm he, I, I, two weeks ago I was with a friend and I'm talking to him about something very, very difficult. I have no idea what to say. And I'm thinking to myself, all right, what do I do now? And I just remember going, God, give me words. I have no idea. And you know what God's words to me were in that particular moment? Silence. Discernment on when to speak and when to be quiet. You see, sometimes we think we got to have the perfect phrase or just the right thing. And sometimes all we need is an ear to listen. Sometimes we think we got to say the right thing to get people to respond the way we want them to. And what we're doing in that moment is we're taking on a job that we don't have the description of doing. It's not your job to get people there. It's your job just to be faithful. The Spirit teaches us all truth. You see, ultimately, what we're seeing in all of this, this text forces us to grapple with two realities. There's the help that we think we need, and then there's the help that we have. There's the help, the helper that we think we need. And then there's the helper that we actually have. You see, we think we need a Holy Spirit or a helper who functions like Waze or Google Maps. You know, find the helper app on your phone. I pull it up right here on your iPad, whatever. Pop that thing open, put it on the dashboard of your life and take off, right? We think we need a helper who says, go here, uh, don't go there, stop. Wait a minute, there's a vehicle on the shoulder ahead. Slow down, there's a speed trap coming. And a quarter mile turn left. Your destination is on the right. We think we need a, a helper, a Holy Spirit, who, who basically functions like a virtual assistant for our agenda. A, a, a helper who reinforces our impulses and helps us to get the type of life that we want. And not only does it get us exactly where we want to go, but its job is to make things as smooth and as quick as possible. We can even change the accent, right? Like I, I got the British version right now. 
Uh, you can change the accent to get you the directions, even in the voice that you want to hear. We want a helper who's really just concerned with our happiness, but that's not what God gives us, is it? See, there's the help that we think we need, Google Maps. But then there's the helper that we actually have. The helper we have is not just concerned with our happiness, but with our holiness. The helper we have is not so much concerned about making sure life is like we want it, but he's, he's concerned with helping us experience a life the way that he's designed it. The helper we have speaks not on his own authority, but he speaks whatever he hears from the Father. He declares what he's been told. He glorifies not us and our plans and our dreams and our agenda, but he glorifies the Son. The helper we have advocates for us. He prays for us. He remembers God's promises. He helps us to remember them. He comforts us. He encourages us, and he lifts us up. The helper we have guides us in all truth, not just the truth that we cherry-pick for our own liking. The helper that we have does not lead us astray. He is not a God of confusion. He is a God of peace. The helper we have is the same spirit who hovered over the waters of the deep in Genesis 1. The helper we have is the same spirit that clothed Zechariah so that he could speak to the people in 2 Chronicles 24. The helper we have is the same spirit that the psalmist wrote about over and over and over again. The helper we have is the same spirit that fell at Pentecost. It's the same spirit that, that Paul had when he testified before Agrippa in Acts 24 and 26. It's the same uh, helper who was with the disciples and with their church from the beginning and will be with the church to the end. The helper we have is the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead, and that's who dwells inside of each one of you if you follow Jesus. Now we need to think about that for a minute, because that means wherever you go, the Spirit of God is with you. See, God is calling us to live in power, in victory, not in defeat. And He's given us everything we need to do that, His Spirit and His Word and people around us to push us forward. Let me, um, the same spirit that's inside of you is with you forever, right? Let me, um, let me, let me close because we're running out of time. Uh, I'm going to share something. So, so many of you have heard pieces of this, right? Uh, in 2001, my father died of cancer. Um, he was 38 years old. He died three weeks after he found out he had cancer. Uh, I was 17 years old and I had been a Christian for, uh, about eight months. Some of you have heard that. Um, but here's what you haven't heard, because I've never shared this. I remember when my father was dying, uh, I remember writing a poem for him. And really all it was was just my way of trying to get all the emotion out. And I don't remember all of it, and so I guess that's a tragedy, but I wrote that up. I remember reading it to him, comatose, whatever. Then when he died, I remember folding it up and putting it in his casket. Um, and uh, it was really just my attempt to make sense of what was happening. And so I can't remember all the words, but I can remember the end. And I'm going to share that with you. Um, and it's going to, it's terrible poetry, okay? So don't, don't judge me based on quality. Uh, and I was really, like, I was raised on hip-hop, so it might sound a little rappy, but it's okay. Um, <laughs> sorry. Tupac kind of raised me. Anyway, so um,
I remember writing, with the Lord's grace, I would gladly take your place. At the blink of an eye, there's no reason for you to die. And though I cry, all my tears won't heal your pain. But still I try because deep inside I've got hope. You're all that's left. Without you, I can't survive. And though I'll try, how can I see without my eyes? You've been my guide since the days that I was blind. But now I see. And so now you have to leave. How can it be? You see, when my father left, I thought my life was over. I thought my helper was gone. And what I didn't realize for years as a Christian is that no matter what happens in our life, our Heavenly Father is with us. We have a faithful Father who sent His Son to redeem us. Our God is in the business of bringing dead people and making them alive. And that's what He's done for you if you call Jesus your Savior. And he's given us his spirit to restore us and to lead us and to guide us so that we are never alone. Here's what that means for you. In your darkest day and on your brightest day, when you're buying groceries, when you're treating a patient at the clinic, when you're teaching your students, when you're changing a diaper, when you blow it with your kids, when you hit a grand slam with them, it doesn't matter where you are or what you're doing. God is with you. You're not an orphan, you're a son. You're not abandoned. You're a daughter. And part of him being with you is that he guides you. He directs you. He shows you where to go and helps you take those steps. And this is life-changing news. Because what it means is that you can live your life in power and in victory. Not because you're strong, but because he is. Not because you know everything, but because he does. Not because you know what's going to happen tomorrow, but because you know that he will be with you tomorrow, no matter what happens to you. That's the spirit you have living inside of you. Now, can you imagine what it would look like if we lived every single day believing that reality? How would you change the people around you if you lived like you had God's spirit inside of you? Because you do. May God make us a people who live with that type of power, who live with that type of comfort, and who live knowing that we have the Spirit of God. Let me pray. Jesus, we love you. We love you, Lord, because you first loved us. We love you because you are good, because you're able to do more than we can even imagine. Lord, we love you because... You're faithful to us. Father God, we pray that you would help us to live with victory and power in mind. Knowing that we have your spirit inside of us to lead us and to guide us in everything that we experience. God, we know that you're with us because your word says it. And there's something in our hearts that resonates with it. And I just pray, Father, you'd press that deeper into us. That no matter the difficulty, no matter the hardship, you're there. Lord, we love you and we praise you. We ask it all in your name.